Welcome to Mind Matters, the podcast series dedicated to the mental well-being of university students. I'm your host, Ali, a graduate student studying writing for performance at the University of Cambridge, and I'm also a member of the Andrew and Virginia Rudd Centre in the Faculty of Education. As university students, we often find ourselves navigating a whirlwind of emotions, experiences and challenges that can profoundly impact our mental health. Throughout this series, we will explore eight essential topics that directly relate to your well-being in university life. Our first topic is social connections and relationships. In this episode, we'll discuss the importance of building meaningful connections, how to foster healthy relationships, and some suggestions if you face challenges. Today, I'm joined by four guests who will shed some light on this topic. I'm joined by Iris, a research associate at the Rudd Centre, Nicole and Safi, who are counsellors at the University Counselling Service here at Cambridge, and Daisy, who's the Welfare Officer for the year 2022-23 to here at RSU. So Daisy, do you want to introduce yourself and describe how your role connects you to social connections and relationships? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So I'm Daisy Thomas. I'm currently the Welfare and Community Officer for the Cambridge Student Union for 2022-23. to But by the time you're hearing this, my successor, Harvey, will be in my place. So my role is to work with the student union to represent students all across the university and help build social connections both between students and between students and the local community. Hi, I'm Safi. I'm a counsellor with the University Counselling Service and I used to be a secondary school teacher before I became a counsellor. I've had about close to 30 years of experience working with young people. Hi, my name's Nicole. I'm one of the senior counsellors in the University Counselling Service. Um, I'm a counselling psychologist. I've been supporting students for nearly 20 years. Um, And I've been in the UCS for just over a year now. I think social connection is about finding a sense of belonging within a community, with a group of people, uh, where you are able to contribute and be yourself um, and be valued for who you are and what you bring to the table, to the group. Yeah, I would say we know that research tells us that connecting with peers, with your community, is good for your mental health and well-being. Um, And universities play a role in creating that community for students so that they can excel academically but also socially. Um, And Mm. it's really important that students experience that connection Um, on all different levels with their tutors um, in their college and with their peers and the broader community and when we know that when students do feel that sense of connection they perform well academically but they also have um, increased well-being and mental health yeah so iris what interests you about social connections hi ali and everyone and thank you for having me on the show Um, Well, researchers define social connection as the interactions, relationships, roles, and sense of connection that individuals or communities may have experienced. It can be described by its structure, like the size or uh, diversity of one's social network, and the functions or emotions that we derive from those relationships. Many scientific studies have demonstrated that positive social relationship is the key predictor for our happiness and health. From the famous 70-year longitudinal studies from the Harvard Ground Study to the more recent population-level studies or experimental studies, meaningful connections with others can reduce stress, 
provide a source of people's interests, motivations, and broader self-identity, as well as contribute to a sense of purpose in life. Strong social connections can also have been linked with uh, improved physical health and longevity. Friendship in college is also found to be associated with academic success and future social success. On the other hand, lacking positive social connections, such as feeling isolated, can impair our cognitive functioning,、uh, affect on our sleep and mental and physical well-being, and overall quality of life. Therefore,、uh, fostering positive social connections is very crucial for our own well-being and development. So Daisy, what do you think are some of the common challenges that students face when it comes to building and maintaining social relationships? A lot of students are moving to university, which is the first time they've moved away from home or to a different country, and that can present a whole load of new challenges. And you're having to form these new connections that you didn't necessarily have to have before.、Um, and then also, we've seen after COVID, obviously, there was a huge decrease in. Events.、Um, students couldn't socialize really, and we're still seeing the repercussions of that in our student community, in Cambridge specifically, but also in a lot of universities across the country. We find that the workload is really high. So, in this culture of overwork and burnout, we find that students have less time to socialize. They don't feel able to take a break from their work to do it, and. They also feel this culture of competitiveness that is heightened by that academic stress, which means that people don't feel able to get involved in things like societies and clubs after the first week because they feel like it's too late, and that can be really difficult. We also find that in Cambridge we have a collegiate system, so you're exposed to a smaller pool of people. And if you don't click with those around you in your college immediately, it can be difficult to find other people until later in term when you start to meet people outside of your own college. Absolutely, and I know that for some students as well, if they can't live at their college or if they're part time or if they're post grad, they might not feel as connected to that smaller community. We also see a range of other kinds of students, like mature students who are starting a degree much later in life, who have children or other caring responsibilities, and international students as well. These are all people with different backgrounds, and it's really important that the university、um, fosters social connections for all those kinds of people and isn't just reliant on creating spaces for eighteen-year-old undergrads from Britain, because that's not what the majority of our population is like. For some people, they've left their homes, and not just the geography of it, but relationships, friends, and families. They've left all of this behind, and these connections might have been very important, very grounding, very stable parts of their lives. And they're coming, and they have to refine that, and that can also be quite challenging. Individual uniqueness. I think when you might get some people who. Present with neurodiversity, and they might find it a little bit more challenging. They might find be unsure as to how to reach out and and who are the people that they have things in common with. So some of these are factors. So Iris, what are your thoughts about these challenges?、Um, thank you.、Uh, I think they have mentioned a lot of important aspects, and I agree with them all. And yes. Entering college requires young people to face multiple transitions, such as changes in their living arrangements, academic requirements, and friendship networks. In addition to that,、uh, they will also、um, 
need to adapt to greater independence and responsibility in their personal lives, and the adult mindset. Some university students may still stick to the way of making friends in schools, just let it be, and feel distressed or isolated when friendship does not come as they expected. They may not realize instantly that the for majority of us, we need to make effort and invest our time to make friends and build networks in university and in future social life. They they won't come and be maintained as easy as what we have in childhood or adolescence. Develop meaningful social connections is also an important lesson to learn in college, and may deserve as much as. Of your time for essays and reports, so I think the shift of the, of the mindset is a challenge for students to experience. In addition to others that have been mentioned, so speaking of supporting positive relationships and social connections, what factors would you say support these successful friendships? I think structurally, having places and events where you can socialize to meet different people and different friends outside of that competitive nature, and often meeting people outside of your college in a way that feels separate and new and exciting. Finding people you can trust and work with is really important, and finding friends who will support you when you're struggling and who will encourage you to reach out. There are so many kinds of people in the university, and being able to have positive relationships with people outside of your college and beyond your immediate sphere can be so enriching for everyone involved. Definitely. So I think some factors that support good relationships, positive relationships, would be, you know, being in groups where you can be at ease, where you can be yourself. Where you connect with your peers on a very cooperative level rather than competitive, to be quite open about your struggles is also very important. It's to be with people where you can say it's okay to not be okay, and that can be interesting and and also help others open up. I think it's also important for you to connect with with other students that have similar. Taste and similar interests, but it's also exciting to reach out to those that might be different and be open to being friends and connecting with people that might have a very different take on things or different interests. Then it's a platform for learning as well. I think diverse, inclusive, accessible social activities, being engaged in those things, can really help as well. So, Iris. What factors support positive and successful friendships? So a lot of social psychologists have found lots of passive contacts are the key to starting a new friendship. It refers to the natural recurring presence of some people around you, such as classmates, colleagues, neighbors, etc. We also call it as mere exposure effect, by which people tend to develop a preference for things merely because they are familiar with them. As university students and other adults, we may not have long-term, continuous, and frequent interactions with the people around us, like we did in primary and middle school. People may choose different modules or courses, and after lecture or work, we often just leave and do different things. So it's not easy to get really close to someone else. 
Therefore, it can be helpful if we seek friendship in the community where we live, or to participate in gym classes or club activities that held regularly, just to increase the passive contacts with someone else. And the second、uh, factors can be op- optimistic thinking. So most people tend to underestimate how much other people like them and enjoy their company. This is called liking gap, but by some researchers, so people should get rid of negative thinking of that I will not be liked, but think I will and deserve to be liked. So yes, that's very important to make new friends to start conversation. And when you have someone in your mind you want to get to know,、um, and the third point is be brave. It's、uh, not waiting, and just be straightforward if you want to ask people out.、Um, there is a higher chance of success in making good friends, but by taking the initiative, as this is sending a positive signal that I want to make friends with you. Finding some places where both of you feel comfortable, for example, a coffee shop or a museum or exhibition. If you're invited and don't like the suggested option. Just to be honest with your feelings, it it won't be helpful for the development of your friendship if you make compromise and don't actually feel comfortable during the meeting. And the fourth part is about self-disclosure. When two people become acquainted, they are not yet friends. The key to move, moving from acquaintanceship to friendship is an increase in the breadth and depth of self-disclosure. Researchers found when people keep meeting regularly, one party will first risk exposing personal information to test whether the other party will respond accordingly. If both parties are willing to disclose themselves, it is like a key to unlock the friendship. During adolescence, self-disclosure among friends is very rapid, but in the adult world, if you want to make Real friends, self-disclosure is not as fast, and the depths and speeds need to be moderate. Researchers suggested that excessive sharing can be considered one-sided, overwhelming, and inappropriate social. We should observe the other person's reaction during interaction. If the other person is nervous or does not know what to or how to answer. It means that we may be overexposing ourselves, so let's start with questions and information that are less private and opinion-related. Then we can do the private and emotional information. So, in addition to those important aspects of making friends, one key to becoming close friends and best friend is to support each other's social identity. Social identity refers to an individual's recognition that they belongs to a particular social group, and also recognize the value of membership in the group. Social identity may be your religious belief, interest groups, or、uh, special experience groups. Supporting each other's social identity means that you understand which social group the other person thinks they belongs to, and you understand the. Benefits of being a member of these groups. A research in university students found that although closeness, contact, and general support
can all predict new same-sex friendships in university, but social identity support particularly predicted whether or not a new friend would be a best friend four years later. What are some signs that you would suggest signify an unhealthy relationship? I think there are some obvious signs. You know, if someone's using insults or putting you down, perhaps ignoring your boundaries, maybe there's a lack of trust, maybe some jealousy, dishonesty, someone being passive-aggressive towards you or using microaggressions, and other more subtle patterns that some friendships and relationships can fall into where someone's siphoning your energy and your time with a lack of reciprocity and that can sometimes start to lead to um, resentment and relationships are about give and take and if that's not happening in equal ways that can be problematic because if that resentment builds in that is can be toxic for any form of relationship and another thing that can happen is you might find yourselves falling into unhealthy competition and that might be in all areas of life And again, it might be subtle. It might start academically and then it might, you know, filter into other parts of your friendship and relationship. And that can also be very unhealthy. So what might students want to look out for as they navigate new friendships and new relationships? I mean, following from what Nicole said, when you understand and recognise the signs of an unhealthy relationship, you then can work towards aiming for a good, healthy, cooperative relationship, one based on mutual respect and interest. Um, Relationships where there's trust, I think, is incredibly important. The capacity to be yourself, to grow, to learn, you know, even to make mistakes and learn from that, I think it's all really vital in forming good relationships. To be able to hold on to a sense of yourself, is also one we should not ignore. You know, we, we mix when we are with people, when we connect with others, we should still bring the uniqueness of ourselves um, into that relationship because there's a lot of which we can contribute to other people as well. Um, An encouraging relationship, people who encourage each other, I think that's very important and it stops a lot of the negativity and the the negative competitiveness uh, to encourage, to be supportive, to boost each other's confidence in good ways, I think is, is really important. So what are some healthy communication and conflict resolution strategies that students can use to support positive relationships with their friends, their roommates or their romantic partners? I think where possible, it's really important that you can feel open and honest and communicate in an honest way and use I statements. And we've all heard this before, saying things like, when this happens, I feel, rather than sort of accusing or attacking the other person. Because when you start accusing or attacking somebody, obviously they're going to get defensive. Active listening, and I'm sure everybody's heard that phrase before. When we say that, we mean that as well as holding on to what's happening for you, you want to openly attune to what is being said to you as well. Um, And being able to hear that whilst you shelve what is going on for you. If you're listening with, okay, how am I going to respond to this? It's not really listening with an open mind and heart. It's listening with what your next response is going to be. So if you can really actively listen 
and attuned to what your friend or your partner or tutor or whoever it is is saying to you, it shows a sort of openness that you're open to finding a solution and you're open to hearing somebody else's perspective. It's also important that we take responsibility for our actions, sort of uh, and acknowledge if in some way we've con contributed to the conflict. I think owning it is really important and also helps other people respect you for apologizing or acknowledging a mistake and moving on from there. Um, and that's really healthy. I think um, it's, it's not about taking blame, but rather recognizing your part in the conflict and being willing to make amends. And when it comes to things like relationships and conflicts in there, I think empathy is extremely vital. One of the most important thing is to try to put yourself in the other person's shoes, try to understand their intent before judging their behavior, you know, so to sort of feel what they must be feeling or might be thinking about. I think that's really important as well. I'd also add that trying to find common ground with the person can also be quite healing for a relationship or a friendship to try to remember what brought you together in the first place and what you had in common, um, that the relationship isn't fully only just conflict, that you have things in common, you've had good times and try to hold on to that as well. Absolutely. So in your experience as a student and as welfare officer, what are some signs that you've encountered that indicate a student might be struggling with social problems or social anxiety? And how would you suggest that they go about seeking help? Yeah, so everyone displays anxiety differently. And it's really important to remember that because for yourself or for your friends, there is no right way to tell if someone is in need of help. If you feel like personally your anxiety, whether that's social or otherwise, is preventing you from doing what you want, or maybe you are going to events, but you're not fully being able to enjoy it and unwind, then you can reach out and get support for that anxiety that you're feeling. It could be very different. Some people might over-focus on their work and be in the library all the time. Other people might be really avoidant of their work because it's stressing them out too much. People may attend social events or they may avoid them. People could be staying in their rooms for extended periods of time. But also people might seem really extroverted, like they're having a really good time and socializing, but still be dealing with a lot of anxiety. You really can't tell or judge. And so it's just important to look out for those that you know, those people whose behavior you feel has changed and seeing what they need from you. Or even if it's someone you don't know, maybe someone on your course or your college, if they're sitting alone all the time, think and ask if they'd like some company or just sit and have a little chat with them. If students are having these issues, you can get help in so many different ways. So in Cambridge, we have tutors, which are pastoral figures, but similar figures exist in all universities. We have college nurses, student representatives. We have the student advice service at the Cambridge SU, which can provide independent and impartial advice and signpost you on to other services. You can also sign up directly for things like the counselling service if you think you need it. It's really important that if you feel like your anxiety is preventing you from going about your usual life, you can get help with it. There's no other arbitrary rule that you have to meet or check box in order to um, be deserving of that help. So what are some signs that you find signify a student is struggling with social problems or social anxiety? Often you might start to experience physiological responses in social situations. Um, that might include your heart's racing, you might feel like you're experiencing an adrenaline rush, 
Maybe you have excess sweat or dry mouth, maybe butterflies in your tummy. As well as an emotional response. You might feel overwhelmed, panicked or frightened, which might lead to behavioural responses. You might freeze in a situation, not know what to say. You might avoid communicating, um, say very little. You might start to avoid eye contact. You might see that you're not going out as much as possible. In fact, you might even be actively avoiding social situations. Uh, Then maybe not going to lectures, not going to tutorials, um, rescheduling supervisions and then putting them off altogether. Or it could be even a change in behaviour. So maybe you're compensating for something and then being extremely extroverted, which is unusual and not how you would normally behave. So any change as well might be a sign that maybe something is going on for this person or for yourself. We would say that it's really important that you feel that you have the ability to open up about what's going on for you to anybody. It could be a tutor, it could be a friend, it could be somebody in your college. Um, You don't have to be alone in this experience. And the reason why we would say that is because it's so common. It's everybody experiences this from time to time. It's part of us just being social beings that sometimes we're going to get overwhelmed. Some situations that we find ourselves in are anxiety-inducing and that's understandable and it's normal. To expand upon how students might go about combating or dealing with social problems or social anxiety, what are some effective ways for students to meet new people and develop friendships? So there are lots of different ways. It could be as simple as arranging a study date with someone who's on your course. If you see them after a lecture or a class, just ask if they'd like to get coffee and work with you. But also in colleges, people run events like welfare teas or quizzes or craft nights, and you can drop into those to meet other people. And of course, there's also loads of societies. So on our SU website, we have a societies directory. So you can search in that the kind of thing you're interested in and find out what's going on. And a lot of these societies hold beginner events at the start of terms to try and get new people involved. But I promise you, they always want new people all the time. So it's never, ever too late to sign up. They'll just be really grateful that someone wants to participate. At the SU, we hold Freshers Fair and we also hold Refreshers Fair, which is in January, but it's a similar thing. And there are chances for you to meet all the societies and see how you can get involved. We also have what we call liberation campaigns in the SU. So these are groups of volunteer students who represent different liberation groups. So women and marginalised genders, LGBT plus students, international students, students from widening participation backgrounds, disabled students, BME students. These groups often run events that help you meet other people in your community. They can be a really nice way to find those people with a similar background to you. And we also find that other cultural or faith groups can be a really good way to meet other people that are similar to you. Yeah, those sound like some fantastic resources. I know that these are resources that are available, I would imagine, at virtually Mm. every university. I think we need to acknowledge that for many students at the university, actually have more in common because you're kind of at the same phase in life, moving out of home for study, looking to create a new community of friends. So... Using that as I'm not alone in this is the first sort of motivational push you need to reach out 
and make connections. I think it's important to remember it's natural to feel nervous, a little self-conscious. Um, it's a normal part of change. It's a normal part of transition. Um, and it gets easier with time. Opening up to your peers in whatever, whatever way feels right for you at your pace encourages others to do the same. Opening up to someone can create a connection of trust and encourages the other person to open up as well. It's a shared experience. And maybe sometimes try something different. I think that helps, you know, to just add a bit of spice to the variety of life and reach out and do something that's what you may not normally do. And you'd be surprised that you find that other people that are doing the same things or you develop a different interest and uh, broaden your scope of social connections with more people. Another thing you can try is to maintain a good work-life balance. And as we spend time on your academic pursuits to also make time for social pursuits you know you can find we have a study buddy you can have a social buddy a sort of a walking buddy or you know someone who comes around and reminds you it's time to take a break and let's go out and explore a bit and I think that can be quite fun and very bonding um, and vital to social connections. So are there any campus resources or initiatives that actively promote and support diverse forms of social connections and relationships? So as I said earlier, there are several different societies and things you can get involved in. We have a What's On page on the SU website, and a lot of those events have access statements. So those will detail what will happen at the event, what support you can get, and how they are accessible for different kinds of people. And our Disabled Students campaign also runs a lot of events that are accessible to lots of different people and can be really supportive places for disabled or neurodiverse students who are looking for that kind of community. So each college will have activities and events um, at the beginning of every academic year and throughout the year. Um, um, all the colleges create um, inclusive events um, that are diverse and so, you know, can meet the interests of lots of students. They might also be sort of targeted towards students. Example, freshers students, international students, BME students, so that students can experience that sense of belonging um, in many aspects of their academic life. Um, your department as well might put on events that you might want to attend and engage with. The student union, um, as Daisy said, had wonderful events that they put on, really engaging and inclusive and accessible. So, Daisy, if there was one message that you want students to take home from this podcast, what would it be? It would be both that it's never too late to get involved in things and also it doesn't matter who you reach out to as long as you reach out. Opportunities for social connection is everyone's responsibility, including organisations in which we work and live. I think a vibrant and dynamic environment offering a diverse array of social opportunities allows students to connect in various ways. Where students may find it challenging to navigate these spaces for whatever reason, there is support available. Whether that be in your college, with clubs and societies, the student union, or if and when needed, the university counselling service is always available. So Iris, what would your take-home message be? For students, uh, I know um, your workload is really heavy, but it's also important to recognise that making friends as an adult requires effort, patience 
and sometimes stepping out of our comfort zones. And good friends deserve your time, so leave some time for your friends. This has been Mind Matters from the Rudd Centre, University of Cambridge. Thank you to all our guests for joining us, and thanks for listening. <laughs>